To begin my sermon today, I want to remind you of something I've mentioned before uh, quite a few times. That is that so far sociologists and anthropologists have not found any human culture or society in history that has not had some sort of religious belief or a belief in God or a belief in the supernatural. Some scientists today, after doing extensive, very modern study on the human brain, have been finding evidence that suggests that human beings may actually be hardwired to believe in God and the divine. But just because we are all human beings, all of us are inclined to believe in the divine, in things of God, does not, of course, mean that people have the same beliefs about God. There are many, many different religions, many, many different approaches. But for day, today, let me simply say that there are a number of critically important ways in which Christianity differs significantly from every other major religion. In fact, one of the major reasons I became a Christian as a young man is because I realized that there are many ways in which Christianity is completely unique when compared to other faiths. And it occurred to me if 999 say one thing and the one says something different, then that one must be especially paid attention to. And this is often the case with Christianity compared to other religions. Now, one of the most important of the differences between Christianity and other religions, many other religions, has to do with the way we relate to God, and especially what we believe about how God speaks to us. It is, in fact, God's nature to speak, to communicate his thoughts to us. And the Christian faith has more emphasis on God speaking to us, his people, than any other religion, even Judaism the faith from which Christianity sprang. Even Judaism lacks the sense of a personal relationship with a God who communicates directly. The Jewish people, while they worship the same God that we do, except without accepting the Trinity of God, their relationship to God has been historically prescribed by one of awe and fear of the Lord, centered on obedience to the Jewish law more than on relationship personally with God. This was especially reflected in the fact that Jews were forbidden to speak the proper name of God. The fact that Jesus could refer to his heavenly father as Abba, which quite literally means daddy, was an offense to the Jews. If you could not properly speak the name of God, then how could you call him daddy? But it was consistent, this calling of God daddy, God the father, was consistent with Jesus' message to us that God the father loves us. He wants to be in relationship with us, and he has told us that over and over again. The very reason why Jesus came was to be able to make it possible for us to again be back in relationship with God the Father. And to understand the way that God has communicated to us, how he has spoken to us over the years, let's begin by looking at this sermon passage, which is from the first chapter of Hebrews, the first three verses. It says, In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Many religions in the world, both ancient and modern, have focused primarily on the mystery of the divine, the transcendence or relative inaccessibility of God, that God is different and apart from us, 
As a result, many faiths struggle to understand what God is like and what he desires from us. We have even had a set of religions called the mystery religions for that reason. But Christianity, and to some extent the Judaism from which we sprang, has always emphasized that God has not left us groping in the dark, hoping to find him, hoping to find our way, and to understand what our lives are all about. No, a major characteristic of our faith in God is not only that God is transcendent, different than us, apart from us, but that he also is imminent. This means that God is never far away. He is always open and available to us. In fact, God has specifically chosen to communicate with us, to actually speak to us in revealing himself. As this Hebrews passage says, God has spoken at many times and in various ways in the past. God first spoke through the creation of the universe. It is no coincidence that Genesis 1 tells us, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God quite literally created by simply speaking things into existence. This is called creation by fiat. Creation by God simply speaking the words, which were themselves sufficient to bring all things into existence. God said, God said, he spoke the word and creation happened. Scripture assures us as well that ever since creation, God has continued to speak to us of his existence and of his will through the miracles of the natural world. It is called the general revelation. If we are only observant enough and wise enough to hear it and see it and understand that it reflects God and not some random chaos. We are then told that God created Adam and Eve, humans, so that he might be in relationship with them. That's why they were made in the image of God, so they could have a special relationship, that God could speak to them. We have the beautiful image in Genesis 3 of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and calling out to Adam and Eve, asking where they were. Unfortunately, this happened after the fall, when they had chosen to betray God. But the relationship between God and these first ancient ancestors of ours was intimate. They were able to speak openly and freely between God and humanity, at least until they betrayed God's trust and damaged the relationship in a way that on our own power we have never been able to recover from, which is why Jesus had to come. And then as time goes by in the Old Testament catalog, we read that God spoke to Noah and gave him very specific instructions about how to survive the coming flood. And God then spoke directly to the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then to Jacob's son, Joseph. In every case, there are specific messages that God speaks to these men of God. And later on, to free the Israelites from captivity in Egypt, God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush, tells him to take off his shoes because it is holy ground. And he tells Moses his proper name, Yahweh, and calls him to be the first prophet and to bring freedom for God's people, to bring them up out of slavery in Egypt. And God then speaks of his will for his people in the form of the law, the very words of God given through Moses on Mount Sinai. And he then continued to speak through the Hebrew sojourn in the desert before entering the promised land through the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and through his chosen prophet Moses. 
Later on, of course, God spoke through many different prophets that he spent to the Hebrew people, instructing them with words that were then written down for his people in the Hebrew Bible, what we know as the Old Testament. And then, as the Hebrews passage mentions, the ultimate revelation of God was in the incarnation of his son Jesus, when God became flesh and dwelt among us as captured for us and communicated in the New Testament. And just as it was no coincidence that in Genesis 1, God spoke creation into being by saying, let there be light. There is deep meaning in the fact that Jesus in the New Testament, especially in John 1, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus is called the Word, the Word that is spoken by God the Father. And we read in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Do you get that connection? God spoke the Word, the Word who was Jesus Christ, who through whom all things were made. Because it says, through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Greek word that is translated as word here, which is a reference to Jesus, is the Greek word logos. And logos actually means to speak, to say, or to reason about something. It is a synonym for Jesus, God's own Son, and it's a strong indication of God's desire to speak to us, including through the revelation of His Son, who was the very Word of God. Now, I know from my own experience as a young man before I became a Christian that people, especially young people, are always looking for some exotic, esoteric, arcane writing. The more ancient, the better, because they think that will hold some greater truth. One of the very oldest of the documents we have is, of course, the Hebrew Bible. But young people especially are always thinking, well, from the Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishads or the Egyptian Book of the Dead or some other exotic document written in a faraway land long ago, I will find greater truth than what is available to me here. But none of those ancient texts contain the very words and the very voice of the one true God. But this does. This Bible is the voice of God written down for us. In this book, God has spoken. It is the absolute foundation of our faith. In Scripture, we hear God's voice and we learn the greatest of his revelations, the Son, Jesus. I've had people say to me before, well, you know, I'm not that keen on the Bible, but I do believe in Jesus. Well, where do we learn of Jesus? Here. We need to understand that without faith and in the truth and inspiration of the Bible, our Christian faith is cast adrift. We don't have a foundation because it is in here that we learn of Jesus the Savior. We have God's very words. We do not need other religious books or writings to hear God's voice. God has given us the final word in Jesus Christ who is told to us in the word of God. He's revealed in this book and the canon of scripture is closed. God has spoken. He has left nothing out. Then, as if God's revelation in Christ and in his words to us in the Bible were not enough, on the day of Pentecost, all Christians were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Since that day, every person who accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord carries the Holy Spirit with them. He does not depart them. 
so that God may continue to speak to us if we are wise enough to listen. So you see, my point in all of this is God has not been silent, no matter how people may think about it. Far from it. For over 4,000 years, God has been speaking to us directly through his prophets and messengers in his written word and then ultimately in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. God has been anything but silent. Bertrand Russell was a famous British philosopher and writer who was an avowed atheist, a brilliant guy, but he wrote a book called Why I Am Not a Christian. And when he was once asked what he would say if he died and then discovered there truly was a God and he was called to give account for his lack of belief, Russell said he would say to God, there was not enough evidence. That's malarkey, to use a popular word today. God has spoken volumes and he has given plenty of evidence. But people have selective hearing. Bertrand Russell, like far too many other people today, had already made up his mind God did not exist, so of course he could not hear God's voice or accept the evidence that God presents to us. The fault was not God's, the fault was Bertrand Russell's. God has revealed himself, but he has revealed so much more. Not only who he is and who we are, but how and why we were made, the purpose of our lives, how we should live, how we should relate to him and to those around us, and so much more. C.S. Lewis beautifully once said, I believe in the sun, that is S-U-N, both because I can see it and because by its light I can see everything else. That's exactly how God has spoken to us. He has made himself known to us, But in the process, he has also shown us the truth about everything else in his word. It is an extraordinary gift. It is a great privilege to be one of those to whom God speaks. And all of you, as followers of Jesus Christ, as carriers of the Holy Spirit, as those who are caretakers of the word of God, all of you are those to whom God speaks. Now, when I... As I talk about this, there's one more aspect of God speaking to us that I have to address. Whenever I'm beginning to prepare a sermon, I always go online and I do a general search for the topic I'm to preach on, to see what other people said, to generate ideas, to find sources. I get all sorts of different input that way. For this sermon, when I did a search on hearing God's voice, it immediately became clear to me that the vast majority of posts and thoughts on this subject was not about hearing God's voice. Most of the articles and comments that I found online had something to do with why we sometimes do not hear God's voice. Why we are not able to communicate with God, especially in times of great need. Why is it, if God has not been silent, if God is a God who speaks, if God has been so intent on communicating with us, why is it that there are times in which it is so hard for us to hear him? Well, I think there are several reasons. Most commonly, I believe that people do not hear God's voice despite his efforts to communicate with us because people have done absolutely nothing to develop a relationship with God. Too often, people do nothing to acknowledge God. They do not admit to his existence or have anything to do with him until they come to a time of great need. And even though they have never developed a relationship, they have never made a profession of faith in the Son of God, still in a time of need, those same people will cry out to God, and then when they do not hear a response, they blame God. As though God has failed them by not giving them what they need. 
Remember that God speaks to us because He wants to be in relationship with us. That's why we were made and why we were made in God's image. And no relationship exists if one of the parties is never willing to speak or even acknowledge the existence of the other one until or unless he wants something. This only makes sense. What would my relationship with my wife Carolyn be like if I never spoke to her or even acknowledged her presence except when I wanted something from her? Would that constitute a healthy relationship? Would I have a right to expect her to respond to my requests if I have never done anything to encourage a relationship or even acknowledged her? Obviously not. People don't realize that God is not our roadie. God is not our cosmic bellhop who is supposed to stand by silently with his hands crossed, waiting until we need something, and then he's supposed to jump to it. He is the God of the entire universe, and yet he desires a relationship with us. But make no mistake, God will not be taken for granted. He is the one true God. He is not ours to command whenever we want, when the rest of the time we do nothing to try to develop a relationship with Him. If you want to hear God's voice, you must seek a relationship with Him along the way. That only makes sense, doesn't it? I think a second reason that people may not hear God's voice is because of unrepentant sin. Brothers and sisters, we are all sinners. God knows that. If he didn't know that, he would not have sent his son to save us. We are all sinners, and God cannot look on sin. If we have sin in our lives, God will redeem us from that. If we confess it and seek to repent, we are not going to be perfect. But on the other hand, if we have sin in our lives that we are enjoying so much that we insist that we continue being able to practice those sins... If we have sins in our life we are not willing to give up, then we should not be surprised when we do not hear God's voice in our lives. Again, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. I'm saying you have to at least recognize that sin is not something that God takes lightly. And you may not have the ability to hear God's voice if you have sin in your life that you're not willing to, to confess and repent and give up. If you wish to hear God's voice, to experience a regular and intimate relationship and communication with Him, then you must be willing to confess and at least try to repent, to turn away from. The word repent in Greek, the word metanoia, literally means to turn and go in the other direction. That's what repent means. To turn and go in the other direction. If we are not willing to at least try to do that from habitual sin in our life, then we cannot be surprised if God's voice is not clear to us. Again, not that he expects us to be perfect, but he expects us to legitimately try. And then the third time I believe in God, uh, people may not be able to hear God's voice is because God may be present with us, but in his wisdom he may know that it is not the time to speak. I remember when I was in seminary, my ethics professor said that when he was a young pastor, he... It was He was terrible, and I can appreciate this. He was terrible at going to people's homes when someone was, was ill or someone had died. He said, I would go there, and I did not know what to say. I didn't have any comforting words. I felt so awkward. I thought, why am I even here? And he said, as he, as he grew in his understanding, 
invariably the people whose house he went to and sat around feeling completely uncomfortable because they'd had a death in the family would say to him, thank you so much. Just you being there was so important. I think we can all understand that. We all know what it's like to have to take comfort from someone's presence even if there's no conversation going on. We all know what that's like to be just present. And I think that to be present and silent sometimes is the greatest gift that we can give. And sometimes it is the greatest gift God can give. There are times when to speak a message to us is not what we need. We simply need to experience the presence of God. That he is there, that he can comfort us in our pain, even though he may not speak to us. I think that's sometimes God's greatest gift to us. If we must learn to experience his presence with us, even when we may not hear his voice. But God is not silent for long. God desires to speak to us. God desires for us to know him and he will communicate with us. To quote the title of an excellent book about God by Francis Schaeffer, Francis Schaeffer along with C.S. Lewis were two people that really encouraged me as I was coming to my faith because they proved to me that you could be smart and believe in Jesus. Francis Schaeffer has a wonderful book called He is There and He is Not Silent. God has not been silent. As Hebrews says, at many times and in various ways, God has spoken to us and we could add that he will speak to us again. It is a great and wonderful gift if we will only learn to listen. Amen.